I hope you guys had a great weekend. I had a great weekend having some cousins over, smoked some brisket. The first time I've smoked a brisket in the south, I felt very southern. It was great. Hang out at the pool, which if you don't have a saltwater pool and you are always getting dry skin when you get out of the pool, you really need to consider uh, converting your pool to a saltwater pool. It actually pays off in the long run as well as makes you feel a lot better coming out of that pool. Man, it gets hot in these summers. Welcome to How to Build a Tent, the podcast on how to make you successful. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show, hearing my rants as I go off in the beginning of some shows. For sharing the show, I really appreciate it. All of you guys who've been subscribing, tagging, um, and also for those of you who've been signing up, becoming members of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. You're so encouraging. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you guys have a great week ahead. It's very exciting to have a start a new week to see what God is going to do in our lives. If you have not become a member yet, you should really think about it. This is the week for you to do it. You get an HTBT mug no matter what. You also, while supplies last, will get a pint from Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, I believe. I think that we still have some. Gabe is working on getting out. So if this is the time, if you want to get the best value, not only are you going to get plenty of vessels to drink out of, but you all... You get tons of uh, content from the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. There's this great series on sales for those business people that listen to this show. And there's tons of other just great content that you should really take a look at. And plus, you are helping us as we are building this network. We're trying to create content that is pleasing to God and beneficial to you guys, not just from a spiritual perspective, but applicable to everyday life as well. Go over to fightlaughfeast.com, put in HTBT in the memo field, and get your sweet mug. If you have any questions, comments, you want to reach out to me and tell me how much you love me or the show or hate the show, just don't tell me if you hate me because that will make me cry. You can find me, you can email me, matt at howtobuildatent.com. You can find me on the social media sites on the links below, or you can find me by searching How to Build a Tent. Thank you for those of you subscribing on YouTube and trying to grow that channel. There's this weird thing about YouTube where you have to get to a certain amount of followers to change your URL, and so I'm trying to get to that so it can be more accessible and be able to be found and just kind of get the show out through YouTube. And thank you for all those who are watching and subscribing and sharing and commenting on YouTube. Uh, Daniel, especially you, thank you so much for doing that. appreciate all of your help and support on the social media sites. Today, I want to talk about the fake agile. And one of my biggest pet peeves are when big businesses see a big word that's like trending and becoming the buzzword for business and they latch onto it and they use it and they claim it and they say they are it and then the big business doesn't really do it and they're just using the name because it sounds cool and they know they should be doing it but they don't really know how to do it. Agile is one of those words. There's a really great article I want to talk to you guys about about that. Also, if you have 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, you can send it to me at, no, I'm just kidding. But, and you're looking to invest, there's uh, some great advice from a financial advisor I found on Twitter that, man, I should have even just told you guys to do this before. I find myself kind of foolish about that. We're going to talk about that. So if you're looking to invest 500,000 bucks, this is the place for you to do it. It's going to help keep you diversified and be a great place for it to start, for you to start. And then uh, we're also going to talk about some advice that a leader got when he went and he talked to his frontline employees. It kind of goes along with the agile company 
as well. So I'm really excited. This is going to be a really great show. Thank you guys for all of you. Again, I'm full of gratitude as always because I just feel honored to be doing this. And one of the things that sometimes you guys email me about is that you ask me, like, what can I pray for you for? And I feel actually kind of bad and almost like I need to repent of this because I never ask you, I never say, like, pray that I only teach the truth or talk about the truthful things and I don't get things wrong. Because that really is like a humbling thing to be on a podcast to talk to you guys about business. I don't ever want to say something that's incorrect. I don't ever want to steer you guys wrong. I want you guys to be successful. That's why I do this show. I'm not doing it for me. I haven't made any money off of this. I spend a couple hours every day because I want to help. So for those of you looking for great ways that you can pray for me, I would really appreciate it if you would just pray for wisdom and for knowledge and accuracy and truth and so that I do not give you guys any bad advice or false information, uh, just things like that. I mean, there's like sometimes that I've caught myself just saying silly things. I look back, I'm like, oh man, I was totally wrong on that silly thing. And uh, even though it's not like really impactful, like you're not going to risk your whole life savings on the things that I got wrong, like just facts that were just kind of in passing. Um, but it's still, it's like, it's an opening, eye-opening for me that I really need to be accountable, make sure I do my due diligence, and really know what I'm talking about. So if you guys could want to pray for me for that, I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, so let's talk about Agile for a little bit. Agile, 90% of senior management C-level believe that their company should be agile. I'm sorry, I just hit my desk if you see the camera shaking. Maybe there's like a great shaking um, feature on this camera. 90% of senior managers believe that they should be having an agile company. Only 10% of those same managers believe that they have a really agile company. 90% believe they should do it. 10% believe they do. So what does this equal as a recipe? It equals a bunch of consultants, a bunch of managers to start throwing, a word, throwing around the word agile and saying they're agile, pretending they're agile, making recommendations that they say are agile that aren't agile, and makes the leadership believe that they have an agile company when in fact they do not. And there's this really great article that was written that I really like. His name is Steve Denning. And he defines agile into three basic steps. And he talks about it, not that it is a vocabulary that you need to rehearse and know and memorize, because he makes a great point that the companies that are the most agile don't even call themselves agile. The people that are faking that are pretending or claiming to be agile, those companies are usually the ones that are struggling with it the most. The people that are agile companies have these homegrown terms, terms that are developed within their own company, within their own culture. That is how they have created their own way of applying agile. But one of the things he does that is really good that you can use to evaluate your company, another company, or a company you're thinking about investing in is not to listen to what they say, like, oh, I'm agile, and then just taking a word for it, but seeing how they act. And he lays out three rules to evaluate, to know if a company is truly agile or not. And he, another point he makes that's really good as well is that it's a process, it's a journey. And so some companies might be starting out on the agile journey, and others might be really far along like Amazon and uh, companies in the tech world. 
And he, so he, these are the three main pillars. And again, they can be named something else. The terminology doesn't have to be exact. It can be, di it can be spoken of and referred to and named differently depending on your, your organizations. But these are the three laws, he calls them, that an agile company must do if it is an agile company. And this is what will distinguish between a company that says they're agile versus one that actually is an agile company. And the first one is they are obsessed with developing and creating the best customer experience possible. That is the driving force. Whatever you're doing, however you're producing, however you're shipping, what products you are including in your product mix, all of this is to deliver the best customer experience possible. And this even drives the other laws as well. An agile company is constantly looking to tweak, improve, and curtail and critique to their customers to create a better experience. Ooh, I just hit my zoom. To, to create a better experience for their customers. And they're going to do whatever they can to continually innovate and iterate better ways to do that, better products to develop, better processes to deliver those products, better services if you're in the service industry. Man, I need to stop being so Italian and talking with my hands. I'm not Italian at all. Uh, maybe it's my German or my Jewish, I'm not sure. Uh, but I need to calm down so I don't damage any of my uh, technology. It's ooh, scary. And the second point is an agile company, or the second law, I should say, is that a company is by default assumes that work needs to be done in small teams. Small teams that are organized on their own, that have short work, work cycles, and that are focused on the first law of continuing to develop a uh, customer-centric customer experience that is better and better. And they are obsessed with giving that customer experience. And these teams work maybe in sprints or whatever it is in short cycles in short quit short small teams to deliver that experience you know notice with some companies that can be a hard challenge for cultures that have to include all these people you have to have legal you have to have all your divisions represented you have to have your finance team you have to have your marketing team your corporate marketing team your divisional marketing team your it team your corporate it team database data warehouse all these like Different people have to be included in all these meetings. But the Agile team assembles a team that is like the bare bones, exactly what is needed, nothing more, and they get stuff done and they do it in short sprints, in iterative process, in iterative uh, time frames to get things done quickly and to deliver a better result for the customer. And the third one is they are continuing to obliterate, obliterate, or to reduce would be a non-drastic way to say that, the bureaucracy of the company. Now, this is probably one of the ways that people are not agile the most. That is, these are, this is probably the sticking point that is the most challenging for bigger companies to get rid of or to reduce the bureaucracy when you are trying new things because most companies have a bureaucracy for a reason, to, for safety to keep themselves from being too exposed to unnecessary risks. And the culture has relied on this bureaucracy to keep the company going. And it is a big gamble in a lot of ways for senior management to 
allow their employees to organize in these small teams to get things done in quick sprints outside of the bureaucratic framework. And I think what happens a lot of times is there's companies that say like, yeah, we're agile. We have these agile teams that are doing these agile processes, but you have to go through this approval process. You have to go through all of these requirements. You have to be vetted by your InfoSec, information security, and all, and all of these things. And there's still this bureaucratic process where it doesn't allow you to deliver to the customer as fast as you could outside of the bureaucracy. And so there's this tension that happens within a lot of companies of the old guard and the new guard or the old way of doing things and the people that are comfortable with that and the people that are open to the change and open to becoming more agile and believe in agile performance and processes where they clash together and then there's some conflict which we'll talk about in one second. So those are the three laws. One, you have to be obsessed with improving and creating the best customer experience. Two, you have to default to having small teams that work in sprints and small short periods of time to deliver that better customer experience. And then thirdly, the third law is that you are constantly looking to reduce the size of the bureaucracy in a company, which can be extremely challenging for big companies that have been around for a long time. And again, the author emphasizes that this is a journey and sometimes it takes, it not sometimes, it always takes steps. Like hard things, cultural changes, shifts in a company, uh, the shift in the company's DNA, it doesn't happen overnight. And the bigger the company is, the longer it takes to do it. But it's a process and it's okay to start in a process. And there's actually companies that you can map and show and it even goes over this in the the article of stages of where they became or started to become agile and then all the way through where they have become completely an agile company. It's very interesting to get into, but for the sake of this podcast, going any deeper into that would just not be um, appropriate for the level that we cover in our show. But if you are looking to get more information about that, I'd highly recommend researching agile um, being agile companies that have become agile and the transformation process of that. And one of the companies that they did bring up though that I did want to talk about because it's very interesting they were touting it like it, uh, the author was touting it like it was a good thing and it might have been before, it might have been an older article. I don't remember what the date was exactly. I think it was in May and I just got around to talking about it now because I've been so busy with so much stuff to talk about. They were talking about Walmart and how Walmart was one of these people in name only where they were wanting to be agile. They said they were agile. They had small teams. They had the processes in place that were agile, but their senior managers and their, their mid-level managers didn't really have heart, the article says. They didn't really commit to it, embrace it, and get behind it, which is really important in big companies to have all of the managers, the highest managers up, pushing it and getting the lower level managers to reinforce it as well. If you don't have senior management, the C-level management behind you on your cultural transformation, your culture is not going to transform because your company takes on the identity of your leaders. And that was the case with Walmart. And the article says that it all changed when Walmart acquired Jet and the executives and the leaders from Jet came over and imported their culture of this agile um, all these agile processes and um, ways of thinking. And that is when they became an agile company, Walmart. But what's interesting about that is I have been hearing 
that Walmart is actually having a really hard time with Jet blending these two cultures together. Walmart is an old company, it's a very old fashioned company from what I've heard. Jet is the new guard and Walmart and the executives from Walmart are the old guard. And so you have these two, these two different cultures clashing on how to do things. And the old guard doesn't want to give up that stuff. And the new guard just wants them to get out of the way so they can do the work. And as you can imagine, that causes a lot of fireworks. And that's just a good reminder. I've said it before because it's really common. And it's something that we should all keep in mind when investing, when being part of a company that goes through a merger acquisition is this. That majority of mergers and acquisitions fail. And it couldn't be in this case that we'll see if they do fail or not. But Walmart, from a strategic play, it makes complete sense to acquire Jet. It made complete sense from a strategic play, from a tactical play. From a very high level, it made complete sense. And most mergers and acquisitions do. Some of them don't. Most of them do. But the rub comes in and where the failure happens is you have two different cultures. It's just like getting married. You have two different cultures from two different families and you come together and you have to learn how to live with each other in a way that you haven't before because you're used to how your family's done things and now you go to a new, you may love your spouse, you may think they're beautiful and it's the perfect fit and they complement your weaknesses just like a merger and acquisition. But then as you're going through the actual process of becoming one, over the next couple years, you get out of the honeymoon phase, the excitement is kind of dying off, and then the work begins, and you start realizing that you guys are communicating, like you guys communicate differently, you guys prefer different ways of doing things, you think differently, you have different opinions on how things should be done. It's just like that in two different businesses. It's basically a marriage. But the problem is, is mergers and acquisitions can break apart a lot easier than a marriage. Employees can leave, executives can resign, they can be bought, rebought by other people, like other companies, they can be sold off. And they're, you know, it's, so much can happen. And that is what makes it so difficult because, hey, people are involved in marriage and people are involved in business and they're all sinful and they all have their own, you know, hangups and, and in it, oh, I was going to go for a big word and I just think I'm going to pull back from that. So from an investing perspective, when you see those things happening, you need to be wise. Like, yeah, you might get a good bump when the merger, the acquisition is announced, except for my Raytheon stock that just took a dive because it was an equity thing, an equity deal. But also from when you're going to be working for a company like that, you need to expect and understand that culture is going to change. And it's not going to be like your culture and it's not going to be like the other company's culture, but it's going to be a new culture coming together. And a lot of times there's a lot of storming and clashing that happens during that process. For the next couple years, I would imagine, is how long it would take before some kind of new norm is established, depending on how well it's handled and all that good stuff. All right, enough about Agile. Oh, there's my mouse. Now, along the lines of this Agile, there's this uh, leader, he gave five points, and it's basically, he did what the undercover bosses do, and he goes and he talks to his employees. And there's a few things he learns, and I just want to draw out three, because it kind of goes with the Agile um, conversation that we just had. And the first one is the power of ideas. And he talks about what he learned is that there's ideas that the front level 
the entry level employees, the employees that are dealing with customers, the employees that are in operations, there's perspectives, there's insight that they have that you don't as a C-level, as a director, as a VP. And you need those insights, you need those ideas to be competitive and to be innovative, to be agile. You need to hear from them. Now your ideas from a strategic perspective and a vision perspective, from the high level perspective, they're probably not gonna have good ideas at that level because they don't know everything, they don't see everything, and you do, and that's your job. You need to have the good ideas. But just as equally as important, not maybe as valuable, but just as equally as important, you need it, is to have those ideas developed and cultivated and critiqued to be implemented at the lower levels too, because like we said, to be an agile company, you need to be obsessed with the customer experience and delivering a great customer value to your customers and everything you need to do needs to be driving that force because that's when you get revenue increases as your people are willing to pay for more the more value you're going to deliver to them and one of the ways to do that is by listening to the ideas of your operations frontline people the second point is keeping your ear close to the customer and that's one of the ways you can do it big data is another way you can do it surveys calling them, going right to a customer. Those are all things you can do as well. Again, um, linked to Agile. The third one that I wanna talk about is reputation is only as good as your customer service. And this is so true that you need to make sure that your customer service is the best customer service. It might not be the best, but it's up there. Like there's no one better than you. You might be tied with other businesses. But this is the most valuable asset that you can have as far as a reputation, a branding perspective. It will make or break you. People will not want to do business with you if your customer service is terrible. Conversely, if you are known for having great customer service, people will spend more and more money with you. And as we've talked about in other shows before, it is a lot better to keep a customer than to try to spend money on acquiring customers. It's more costly. And usually when you have a repeat customer, they're gonna spend more than a one-time customer that you bring on for the first time and then goes away. So it's gonna do you a lot better in the long run to invest in your customer service, to have a great brand image, to have a great reputation of having great customer service, and that will just help with your margins as well. So those are, again, are like three of the five that he said, the other two, I don't know. Uh, but those are really applicable and go along with the agile perspective. Now. In the last few minutes, I want to talk about this investing tip that I saw. It was on. Uh, it was an article on Twitter, but I don't even remember what it was. But I just want to give the credit to someone else. It wasn't me, and I wish it was because I should have brought this up before. What I've always said is, if you have less than a hundred thousand dollars, you should be in mutual funds, ETFs, and one. And this is really isn't different from that. But like, what happens if you have five hundred bucks? If you have a thousand dollars? I joked about you giving it to me. I don't want you to give it to me. But if you're looking to invest and you have like $500 to $1,000, he makes a really good point. Just go and find an S&P 500 index and invest in that. And for most people, and he quotes people that agree with him and things like that, for most people, that is the best play for you that don't you don't understand the markets, you're new to the markets, and you want to invest because the S&P does really well. And there's some great statistics that they had. It, the S&P 500 is the 500 biggest companies 
in the United States. I think it accounts for 80% of the value of the stock market are in these. So you become instantly diversified you, with a small amount of money and there's like company, your companies that you're investing in in that index are all over the world. So it's an international investment play as well. So if you have 500,000 bucks, think about investing in an S the S&P 500 index. There's probably a few of them. I know Vanguard has one that's a really cheap fee. You want to find those, and that's another reason that they said that was um, a good reason to do this is the fees are really cheap because uh, everyone knows what the 500 S&P is. You don't have to, you know, it's not high touch portfolio, I imagine. So there you go. Be agile, do the test, apply the test to other companies. Be in touch if you're a senior management with your uh, operations because they're going to have ideas and insights you don't have that you need that are just as valuable. If you have 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, invest in S&P 500. And we will have uh, another great show for you tomorrow. Now let's go out and be successful together. God.